So we continue our sermon series on, um, on the Lord's Prayer today. And so let me begin by just reading one little piece of scripture because we're focusing on um, um, about, thy daily, uh, about the daily bread this morning. And, um, and so there's this piece of scripture that comes from the sixth chapter of John. And let me give you a little introduction. So this is, um, you know, the, the, in John, there are, we have the book of signs. The book of glory and the book of signs, there's seven different signs like Jesus performs a sign of turning the water into wine. That's a sign. Uh, Jesus uh, raises Lazarus from the dead. That's a sign. And so one of the signs we also find is that Jesus performs a miracle of the, um, the loaves and the fish. He takes the five barley loaves and the two fish and he breaks it and he feeds the 5,000. So what we find here is in, in the sixth chapter of John, we have that story and then Jesus when the transition here, uh, Jesus actually ends up walking on the water. He goes to the other side of the lake. And so the people come and they circle around to the other side of the lake and they find Jesus and they have this interesting conversation with Jesus. And so this is, catches kind of the tail end of this conversation today and it leads into one of the seven great I am sayings. So we have the seven signs, but we also have the seven I am sayings that Jesus says. And so this leads into one of the m- most profound ones. So they said to Jesus, uh, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness that it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So on my run this morning, I was thinking about my message today. And um, I was reflecting upon, I, I've got a wedding coming up this fall. You know what's interesting? I had a lot of kids that I coached Little League. And this is when you know you're old, when the, all your Little Leaguers are all growing up and getting married. I just want you to know that. And so I was reflecting, I thought, started thinking about this, this young man who um, was a part of our, actually he was part of our church, he went to our youth group, his parents are a very good friend of mine, they called me up, they, he called me up a few weeks ago and said, hey, Pastor, would you be willing to do my wedding for us, and it's going to be down, um, down near Boca. Uh, Boca. And, and so what's interesting, about, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, one of my other kids had called me up and said, hey, Pastor, would you do the wedding? I said, sure, his family was part of our church too. And so what was very interesting, it was this um, beautiful wedding. It was in Boca. It was a very prestigious wedding. I mean, they, you know, there was a lot of money involved in this wedding. And, um, and, and so it was very interesting. And, you know, I, I, I really appreciated this young man. And I, I got to meet his, um, I never had met her before, but his beautiful bride. But I just felt like something was missing that night and the whole marriage ceremony. You know what's interesting? When we think about the Lord's Prayer, um, every wedding I've ever done, and I've done a lot of weddings in the last three, four years, I've always read the Lord's Prayer every single time. I think that every funeral I've ever done, 
I've always read the Lord's Prayer at some point in the midst of that service because it's so important, right? And so it was interesting on this particular night, um, I, they kind of threw me for a loop, this young couple. And um, he was going to walk down the aisle because they had a DJ. And he says, Pastor, I'm just going to, you just kind of have to go with things, go with it. And I said, okay. And, um, he, and I said, what's going on? He said, well, I'm going to go down to a song. And then his wife, is, his future wife is coming down to another traditional song. And so he didn't tell me that he was going to go down this song. And it was kind of a rock song. And it was like, really? <laughs> and um, I just felt like something between, you know, wa- the groom walking down to a rock anthem and then trying to weave in the Lord's Prayer, there was kind of somewhat of a disconnect, right? I started thinking about, one, and so my thought was, things were, my thought the process this morning on my job was that. I was thinking about, well, I hope this other kid doesn't do that to me. I'm going to tell him not to do that. Um, but I also started thinking about the sacredness of the Lord's Prayer. And I also, my, my next thought was this, the sacredness of the cross, um, one of my favorite Fred Craddock stories, you know, I shared with you all, actually I shared this story before, maybe several years ago. Fred Craddock was considered, I think, one of the greatest modern day preachers. And I, I had the privilege to be able to study under him at Candler at Emory University. He was my professor of homiletics. And his gift was storytelling. He loved to tell stories. And um, one day he told this story about this young man who'd gone into a department store and when he, he, he went, he wanted, a, he wanted a cross. And so he went to the counter, and the lady on the other side said to him, what would you like? And he says, well, I want a cross. And then the woman who is trying to help him, the sales assistant, well, we have a lot of crosses. Which one would you like? And then she pulled out all the crosses. And she says, he says, well, I just want one with the little man on it. Think about that. I want one with the little man on it. See, see that my point is, is that sometimes in the midst of the way that we carry on with the, the rituals that we have and the thoughts that we have in the midst of our Christian faith, that sometimes things get lost in the shuffle, that Jesus just becomes this little man on a cross. Or we go to a wedding, and the groom decides that he's going to walk down the aisle to a rock anthem. And somewhere in the midst of that, we're going to have the Lord's Prayer. Wow. And so my, my focus has been my intent for us to kind of revisit this Oh, this, this sacred prayer that Jesus has given to us, it's not just any prayer. It's not just any ordinary prayer. It's, it's, it's a very powerful prayer. And I think that when Jesus, when the disciples came to Jesus, said, Jesus, will you please teach us how to pray? Because that's what a rabbi would do. These are the words that Jesus said. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And they're not intended to be something 
take it lightheartedly. There's something sacred about them. And I think that what Jesus is, and I shared with you from the very beginning, I think one of the things that Jesus is hoping that we would take these and not just they would become rote, but they would become rich with meaning, that they would be a way that they would shape our, our lives. They would become woven into the very fabric of who we are and our identity as, as Christians and followers of Jesus. Our Father. It's a great way to begin, isn't it? The inclusivity that Jesus says, listen, um, he's, just, he's everybody's Father. We're all children of God. How it, holy is, is your holy name. How sacred is your holy name. Our Father who art in heaven, how would be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What's interesting there is that um, the idea that it's not my will be done, but thy will be done, it's connected to, as I shared with you all last week, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the, what I call the tale of two Adams, I shared with that with you all last week. You know, Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. We find that in the, the book of Romans and actually in 1 Corinthians. So the first Adam was focused about what he wanted because he failed miserably. God says, listen, don't eat, don't, don't even go near the tree, but they, well, they did it anyway, right? But what Adam failed in being focused on what, he wanted to focus on my, what my will, what I wanted. Jesus got it right. It's the reason why we, you know, Paul refers to Jesus as this idea of the second Adam that what, what Adam failed miserably in the first garden, Jesus was successful and was obedient, as Paul would put it, obedient even to death upon a cross. Jesus got it right. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. See the connection? And so we have all that going on in this, this Lord's Prayer today. I think it's really interesting is that, um, I found this is, uh, in reading this last week, um, I, I, I share with you all, I had my, my grandfather's timepiece, and I, had, you know, I said, what is it, you know, what is it that makes God tick? And I shared with you a couple weeks ago about that, and what makes God tick is, well, you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, and you find this great quote, and the great quote is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As a matter of fact, it's, it's known as the Shema. It's, it's, a, it's a very holy, sacred scripture. A matter of fact, um, the Orthodox Jews even have it, and there's like what they call a mezuzah. I think we got a picture of mezuzah. It's on the side of the doors when you go to a, basically go to the Holy Land. They're on every one of the doorposts as you walk into all the hotel rooms. And, and the scripture is written in a scroll, and it's, it's actually embedded in these little, little um, brackets. And then also, if you go to the Wailing Wall, you can see the Orthodox Jews praying there. I think we got a picture of that. And they have this little, um, uh, this little box on their head, and it goes back to the ancient tradition. It's called a, a, tef, uh, a tefillin. And a tefillin, you would, the scroll was in scroll, actually written in the, on that, and it's inside it. And they go to the prayer, and they go to the wall, and they begin to pray. And what are they praying? And what's focused on their prayer is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5. Matter of fact, um, once upon a time, um, a lawyer um, was pushing Jesus on this and talked about, you know, what about the, you know, how, what is it we're supposed to be doing and, and, and here at the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, we are supposed to keep the commandments. And he referred to that. And he says, well, I've done that. And then the lawyer pushed him. And he says, 
Well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus gave that great story about the Good Samaritan. You know what's also interesting, I learned about, you know, what you think about what makes God tick. I think this is interesting in that I didn't realize this until this last week, but in the Jewish tradition, it's those, those words that we find from the Shema in the book of Deuteronomy, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, they're actually supposed to be ultimately like embedded in their heart. In other words, they're, they're hoping that like your last breath, if you're a Jewish person, they're hoping that would be your last breath. And if you can't pray it, that prayer, and you can't say it, then someone would say it for you as you're dying. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? So I was thinking about that in my, my own life. If I had one wish and I was gonna go out, I would hope that maybe the last words I would be praying would be the Lord's Prayer. I would be focused on that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To me, that would be a great way to go out, praying that prayer, because to me, it is holy, it's sacred. It's not to be taken lightheartedly. It's not to be whittled down to like a guy going to J.C. Penney and saying, hey, listen, I'd like to have a cross. I just want one with a little man on it. Or it's not to be whittled down in the midst of something sacred as a holy wedding and then you got a rock anthem and then somehow I'm trying to weave in the Lord's Prayer in the midst of that. Yeah. I, I, I thought this is interesting. Um, the, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, I, I was thinking about this once again um, this week. I, I found this, this really powerful story. It's, um, it comes out of actually 9-11, and it's a story of John Mahoney. He was a retired United States Air, Army colonel. And um, he was actually in the North Tower on the 19th floor when the first um, airplane went in. And um, he describes the event on that particular day. Um, this was actually written in, up in the um, Huntsville Times and from Huntsville, Alabama. And the person who was writing this um, was describing evidently because she had interviewed Mr. Mahoney, Colonel Hall Mahoney. Mahoney directed his co-workers to the stairways, checked the era for everyone else, and headed down through the um, hallway, which was quickly a haze of smoke and dust. This was when his daily habit of saying the Lord's Prayer bobbed into the surface of his mind, providing a grow work of stability in the midst of all the withering building. With hundreds of others, Mahoney and his office mates trudged downstairs through the smoky air, grateful, grateful that the lights and ventilations would continue to remain on. When the fire sprinklers came on, they grabbed the handrails to keep from being swept off their feet from the waterfalls that were running down the steps. Firefighters, breathing hard, passed them going up. But, one of the, but out of the chaos to the rhythm to the Lord's Prayer, Mahoney sensed something that reminded him when his mother would wrap him up as he climbed out of a cold swimming pool. And he would be held safe and warm in his mother's loving arms. Now just think about that. The airplane has gone through the building. 
he's trying to get out, and he's praying the Lord's Prayer. And all of a sudden, the sprinklers come on. And immediately, it throws him back to his childhood. As he gets out of the water, and his mom puts a warm towel around him. It's amazing what you think about. Because as I walk down the stairway, somewhere between the 12th floor and the 10th floor, somewhere between our Father and thy will be done, that same feeling came over me. Suddenly I was wrapped in the warmth and love and comfort and that smoky, wet stairway in, in a burning building surrounded by thousands of fire-frightened people. I felt wonder. I felt God's peace. And I knew that regardless of the physical outcome, everything would be all right and he goes on, he says, when I walked from these, those ruined towers, I took two priceless gifts with me. First, I carry God's peace with me every, every day. Even if I get distracted, Christ's love is all around us. It takes just a few lines from a simple prayer for it to wrap itself around me again. Second, I know with a certainty that my words cannot possibly convey. I know what will happen to me when I die. I will rise from this shell like a child fresh, clean from a bath, and I will be wrapped in the warmth of his love and his forgiveness and his peace. Wow. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our Daily bread. Does God ever mess with you all? <laughs> He's always messing with me. Okay, so the other day, uh, I don't know, about two and a half weeks ago, true story, I'm, I'm doing my normal little jog, and um, I see a loaf of Publix bread on the side of the road. I think, well, what's it doing there? Why is it there? Who put it there? I mean, this is unusual. I mean, I, you, this is, normally you just don't see a loaf of Publix bread that's sliced. It's white bread, and it's just sitting there. So um, I, I just ran by it, and um, what was very interesting, for the next two weeks, I, I watched it begin to kind of deteriorate. Um, I, I watched it... Um, actually, one day I noticed, and I noticed the ants had got in it. And then, of course, the ants started taking it away, right? And um, I, I just thought, what am I supposed to learn from this loaf of bread? So, you know, Harold being Harold, you know what I did? I picked it up. And here it is. <laughs> and so this is all that's left Two and a half weeks ago, it was a full loaf of bread. But the ants carried half of it away. So I started thinking about, okay, God, what is it that you want me to learn from placing, I don't know where it came from, why it's there, but maybe it was put there for a reason to teach me a lesson. Maybe to share with us, teach us all a lesson. I, I think maybe the first lesson it is, is it teaches me that I should be grateful that I have food to eat and I don't have to pick up food from the side of the road. Matter of fact, I, you know, I, um, I didn't think, okay, okay, well, I tell you what, Donna, 
I'm gonna, I found some bread on the side of their home. Can we have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches tomorrow? I didn't do that, right? Because I didn't, I make enough money that I don't have to actually pick up bread from the side of the road. So be grateful that you don't have to do that. Can we amen on that? Okay. But here's the second thought. Maybe I should be mindful that there are people in the world that would have picked that piece of bread up, that loaf of bread up. Matter of fact, I know for a fact that this is true because my friend Mike Williams has a, a missionary in the Dominican Republic and he goes to the garbage dump and he feeds children at the garbage dump a good wholesome meal so they don't have to get their daily bread from the dump. Matter of fact, here's a picture of the children and guess what their sign says? Thank you for the bread. So maybe God was trying to teach me about this loaf of bread and teach us something about, hey, listen, I can be grateful that I, I have make enough money that I can go to Publix and I can buy my own bread, but I don't have to pick it up inside the road. But there are people in the world that, well, they would have been happy to pick that bread up. And so maybe a third thought I was thinking about, maybe what God was messing with me and trying to teach me this lesson about, um, give us this day our daily bread has everything to do with, you know what? We all need daily bread every single day to nourish our bodies, but also our souls. Now, what's very interesting in my detective work this week, I, I, I didn't realize this, but the word daily is a really important word that Jesus chooses. Now, what happens is, and there's a translation, okay, so in the Aramaic, Jesus is speaking Aramaic, so then it gets transferred over and translated in from Aramaic to Greek, and then it gets translated from Greek into English, so we can read it. But the word there daily, um, some of the translation gets a little lost in the shuffle, so the literal translation, matter of fact, in the Greek, it's, um, it's called epiousion. Can you say it with me? Epiousion. Say it with me. Epiousion. So epiousion, the literal translation, the word epi, E-P-I, and the prepar- it's a preposition, to, on, or upon. Usis is the verb which means essence, substance, to be that which is needed for us to be or exist. So the word epiousion literally means give us this day daily. Daily means what do we need to exist every single day? What do we need to be able to survive every single day? What is it that we need to, that it's going to give us, that's going to be essential to give us substance in our life that sustains us every single day? Give us this day that which is essential. Give us this day our essential bread. Y'all got it? So when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, give, let me, what you get, focus on what you need every single day that's going to be essential life to give you sustenance in order that you're going to be nourished, they ought to keep you alive. Or give us every, what is going to be essential life to be able to provide for you every single day, which is essential to your life, to be, to exist? Oh, there's a thought. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need to exist every single day. Bread. Now then, just a thought. In my detective work this week, this is what I found out. In the city of Wildwood, I thought this was a very interesting statistic, and here's the challenge for us to think about. Give us this day our daily bread. Children living below the poverty level, 31.5%. State of Florida average, 20%. Give us this day our daily bread. Matter of fact, the other day, um, my wife, um, bless her heart, she organized a food pantry drive from our Wildwood food pantry. And she, this is actually a challenge. This was not, this took months in advance for the, to get it all approved. But we partnered, our Wildwood food pantry partnered with the Villages Charter School and they went all around and I, they collected all thousands of pounds of food for the, they taught the kids about something about give us this day our daily bread. The share. In other words, there is this, this theme that Jesus gives us those who have more should be able to give to those who have less. There's a thought. Do you get it? Give us this day our daily bread. What is the essential life to keep us alive, to survive? What do we need to nourish us physically, but also spiritually? Okay. So we think about this. So give us this day our daily bread. And I think we got a picture of, well, here's a picture of the, of the kid. No, put the picture up of the of the food pantry that we picked up. There they are. The other day, they went around. There's a group of guys. And they went and picked up some of the food at the, um, at the school. And so then I also asked, okay, I asked Don Huggins this week. So Don, can you just tell me a little bit about um, what have we done? What has the community done in living into this daily bread theme that Jesus has given to us? So here are the stats. You ready? From the beginning of the Wildwood Food Pantry. From 2005 to 2022, how many pounds of food has been distributed? 3.8 million pounds. I didn't know that. 193,754 people served. 75,395 families served. 240 and 481 volunteer hours served. Give us this day our daily bread. You know what I love about this? And I have my visual aids. You know, you can, I can't preach a sermon without visual aids, right? And so what's very interesting is, you know what? Daily bread comes in shape, lots of shapes and sizes. Matter of fact, um, uh, this, a couple of days ago, went out to the, um, uh, where we had the bins out front. And I, I, I pulled a box of Michael Jordan Wheaties. That was out there. And um, I've got some granola bars. And, you know, one of my favorites of all time is Spam. I love Spam, right? Right? I mean, Spam. You can't. Matter of fact, well, I was raised on Spam. My mother's here. I, I tell you what, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but a lot of times we would, we would have Spam. You know, Spam, you know, it's not one of my favorites. I just want you to know. But the beautiful thing is if you fry something, it usually tastes pretty much, tastes better. Right? And my mother is really good at frying stuff. She would fry it all up. I would go home and say, Mom, what's for dinner? She'd say, Spam. I'm like, oh, really again? <laughs> On Sunday, though, we had pot roast and potatoes and carrots. And we, after like a year or two or three or four years, and we have it every single Sunday. And I say, Mom, 
can we switch things up? And she said, no. <laughs> it's written in the Bible. Methodists have pot roast every single Sunday afternoon. I just, it's just, it's gotta be written there some, right? My point is, when you think about it, daily bread comes in lots of shapes and sizes. And so I was thinking about this this week, once again, um, about the truth that we find. And so this is what, this is the book of Deuteronomy. This is the Old Testament language. I love this. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. You're your God's blessing in everything you do, all your work and ventures. They, well, there are always going to be poor and needy people among you, so I command you, command you always be generous, open purse and hands, give your neighbors in trouble, your poor, your hurting neighbors. I love this. Old Testament. You know what I love about this? Is that first of all, it reminds us um, this is not a suggestion, it's a command. The second thing is it, it says that, you know what? It, it's really not ours in the first place. It all belongs to God. Can we amen on that? I mean, really, everything that we have in life, everything that we have in life is a gift from God. I, that's why I love this particular piece of scripture. It just reminds me how, you know, daily bread comes in lots of different sizes and packages. And about giving. For, for those who have more, should give to those who have less. Give us this day, this daily bread. Give us what we need that's essential to life, to sustain us in life. The reason to be, how to be able to exist in life. Give us this daily bread. You know, I, I share this with you, you know, um, Giving comes in lots of shapes and sizes. Like, for example, I'll give you a, a couple of monetary thoughts. Like, there was a, a lady in our church who loved our church, and when she passed away, she left in her estate a third of her estate, which is over $350,000. And she gave it all to Helping Hands in order for people to make sure that they can exist. Because I think one of the things that we need to exist is not only food for our bellies, but we also need a roof over our head. Give us this day our daily bread. Um, I, I think about I think about how when I was at camp, when I would go to I was a, at the Warren Willis camp, the United Methodist camp, and I was a counselor. And I remember the children. We would have this throughout the week. The parents would give their kids a little money for the canteen. In other words, at the end of the day, they could go get a candy bar or a soda pop or an ice cream bar, right? So they give him like 10, 15 bucks or something like to get him through the whole week. And what was very interesting after we would have, we would have dinner and part of what we would do is we would encourage kids maybe not to spend all their money on the canteen, but they would actually give to other kids who would not be able to come to camp. And they would scholarship kids that could come and experience camp like them that could afford to come, but there were a lot of, literally hundreds and thousands, hundreds of kids all across the Florida conference that could not afford to camp. And it would be amazing is we would kind of create this kind of uh, opportunity for them that we have a, like a goal and they would get all excited and kids would throw their money in and they would add it all up. And it was amazing 
how some kids just got it. So they would forego their ice cream bar or their soda pop in order to make sure at the end of the week they could take all their canteen money and just throw it in the kitty in order for the, it's just a thought, for those who have more to give those who have less. Give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. I love what Jesus refers to this, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, um, he, it's one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. It's talking about the last judgment, right? Um, and Jesus says, there's this going back and forth, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Did you get the tale? Lord, when, when did we see you? Well, um, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. Give us this day our daily bread. Was essential life. Okay, so here's, um, let me wrap this up. So here's what I, I think is really, let me make the connection this morning about teaching. Okay, so I read this piece of scripture that comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. And it's one of the greatest pieces when we have the seven I am sayings and Jesus, and when the seven I am saying, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Okay. So what's really interesting about this story is before the story, of course, Jesus performs the miracle of the loaves and fish. Five barley loaves, two fish. They bring it to Jesus, breaks the bread, keeps giving it out. 5,000 are fed. It's a miracle. Then Jesus gets on the boat, goes the other side, as I mentioned. We find that, uh, or, that his disciples get on the boat, but he ends up walking down the water. We find that in the Gospel of John, in the miracle. And then, the, I thought this is really interesting. So then the people who Jesus has already fed the night before, they go find him. And what's interesting in the conversation, I never had thought about this, but it's almost like, Jesus, can you give us another free lunch? And so they have this conversation that goes back and forth. And Jesus says, well, you know, well, they say, well, our, our you know, Moses, Moses gave us man in heaven where we we're wandering in the desert. Jesus, ah, wrong answer. Wasn't Moses. It was God in heaven. Let's give credit where credit is due. And then Jesus says, I love this line. I am the bread of life. And so what I, what I think what Jesus is getting at here is I, I think it's very powerful because see, not only is there's, there's kind of this twofold twist to this whole thing, give us this day our daily bread. I think what Jesus is really getting at is that when we live into this, it's about us honoring the opportunity as Christians to be able to be a blessing to other people. For those who have more, should be able to share with those who have less. But I think what, once again, at a deeper level, at a deeper level, at a much deeper level, Jesus is trying us to understand it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. We all need the bread of life. That which is going to nourish our souls. 
So when you think, when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, it runs deeper than what's gonna fill our bellies and what's on the side of the road. It, it runs much deeper. Jesus is trying to really hit our hearts about, I am the bread of life. It's gonna nourish you. And what I think is really interesting about this story, and don't miss the detail, I think that these two stories run parallel with what we find in the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, where Jesus meets up with the woman at the well, and he has that conversation with her, and then she, he says, well, I can give you water that you never have to thirst again. And she says, well, give me some of that water. And you know what's interesting in this story? Those people say, well, give us some of that food. Give us some of that bread. Interesting, isn't it? And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And for those who are thirsty, I give you water. See the connection? Give us this day our daily bread. You know, um, just a thought. Maybe what Jesus is trying to get us to this place that we just don't pray the Lord's prayer and it just is road and it ends up when they're like going to a wedding and I'm trying to weave in the Lord's prayer with this rock anthem thing as the groom walks down the aisle and there's something more significant than that or a guy going to J.C. Penney and says, hey, yeah, I just want one of those little crosses with a little man on it. No, 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 more than that. Man, I tell you what, when I die, I'm hoping that I make the last words that I say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice, powerful, think about our last breath. We pray the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of like a memory of a mother wrapping a warm towel around a chilled child. I want to be wrapped in that love. I want to be wrapped in the Lord's 